This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Man show with Adam Nelson. He is, has one of my favorite sites ever, hoopdirt.com. I go to it every day, Adam. I do it every day. I check it twice a day, morning and night. See what dirt is. <laughs> I'm here with my man, Adam Nelson. Adam, what's up, brother? Good to talk to you again, man. Hey, man. Great to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. And uh, hey, I, I appreciate the kind words about the site. I'm glad you're on there every day. We try to uh, try to keep that thing fresh for you, but I'm glad you're uh, checking it out. Keep checking it out. We'll keep it updated. We'll keep this thing rolling. <laughs> Every day, all day, man. Check it out, hoopdirt.com. Now, Adam, we'll start you off with a, the weird thing that happened with Thune Cookman uh, with Dominique Taylor, where he got screwed, man. And Thea's coming in July 3rd. You know, the kids can't really go anywhere unless you get a waiver. He recruited the whole team, kept them there intact after Ryan Ritter went to UUT Martin. Now you then you screw the guy. So talk about that and for being a former coach yourself, how ugly that looks for guys who may want to come there in the future. Terrible man, Ter- terrible situation. Um, Dominique Taylor, you said it, man. He got he got screwed. Absolutely got screwed. You know, Ryan Ritter leaves uh, March thirtieth. That's a long time, right? He, he's been gone since March thirtieth. Um, Dominique's holding down the fort. You know, everyone thinks he's going to be the coach next season. Recruits that whole team. Does a really good job. Um, and then yeah, has the rug pulled out from under him um, on July 3rd. Like you said, guys can't, guys can't transfer. It's going to be hard to get a waiver. And, um, you know, man, it, it, and it's nothing against Reggie Theus. I mean, he's obviously done a lot, you know, good player. He's coach. He's coached in the NBA. He's coached at the college level, but um, you know, they hired him as the athletic director too. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of responsibility. Oh, yes. Um, you know, especially this late, you know, if, if you're a player, it's hard to go there, man. Like, you know, your, your coach is also the athletic director. So he's not hundred percent committed to your program. Um, the way they shook down is a really, really bad look for the school. Um, and, and, you know, this has happened a, a couple of times over the last couple of years um, with some really good guys, some good assistants that have kind of been let go last minute. Um, July is a really hard time for a division one coach to find a job. 
you know, the, the recruiting period has started. Guys are out there recruiting. Guys are out there grinding. Um, it, it's going to be really, really hard um, for him to get something right now, which, again, it's too bad. You know, if they were up front about this uh, back in March, you know, he, he would have gone with, with Coach Ritter. Um, but, you know, it, 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 man, it, you know what? Like you said, so I've been in this business my whole life, right? I was a college coach for, for 20 plus years. Um, it's a really, it, it can be a really good business at times. It can really be a bad business at sometimes because at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're there for the student athletes, but it is a business. And, 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 you know, he got screwed in this situation, which is too bad to see. And they're going to the SWAC now. So you're leaving the MEAC, going to the SWAC, coming to the SWAC with this hanging over your head. You know, a new conference, we have two divisions now. So, I'm concerned for those guys down there um, in, in Daytona. I really am because, you know, the way it went down, like you said, Coach Diaz has to worry about everybody else but you. You're kind of his, his side gig almost is the basketball team, not so much your, his main focus. So going to play there, you really, really have to either be it's your only offer or you're a guy in trouble and actually your last offer you can go to for D1. That's, that's one way I see that going here going forward, Adam. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, and, and, and I, you're right, and, and I think, you know, a lot of people, uh, and, and you get it, but, but a lot of people are really kind of downplaying the fact that he is the athletic director, too, and that takes so much time. You know, I, I don't care if you're at the Division one level, two level, three level, being an athletic director is a full-time commitment, and now you're asking him to do that uh, on, on top of coaching basketball, and like you said, going to a new conference. Uh, I mean, it is so hard. If you look at uh, uh, McNeese State this year, had a coaching change, right? Keith Stroyer had been the head coach there. He was also named the interim athletic director. He gave up basketball to concentrate on his full-time duties as the athletic director. You know, it just shows so, you know, how hard it is at that level to really concentrate, to really do both. You can't do both and be successful. Um, so, you know, not only was it a, a really, you know, crappy way to make a change, but now, you know, are you really setting Coach Theus up for success? But, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's almost like he's, he's you know, he, he's doomed to fail. Um, you know, and it's different, you know, and, and you know what it's like at the college game and, and, and with, with young, impressionable student athletes at times. I mean, he's got a name that sells. People know he was an NBA All-Star. He was the coach of the Sacramento Kings. Um, you know, you know, he's a Hall of Famer at UNLV. I mean, he's got a lot to sell, you know, so he's got a lot of work to, to you know, to, to get out there and do and, 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 you know, recreate the image of the program. So, um, you know, hopefully he can succeed, but I just, you know, he, he's really not set up in a place to be successful right now. And then Chicago State opens up here in I mean, I, I I know what they they pay up there. It's not that much, and then you're in a, in in limbo because you you don't you're leaving the whack. You gotta find the Horizon League probably or the Summit at best because the MEAC does not really want you because you're too far from the MEAC schools. Yeah. So then you have to worry about the, the money there. And the, and this is to me, Chicago State is a job. If I was a coach, I, I would take it unless I had to take it. Yeah, you're right. That's a, that's a tough job, man, especially opening up this late in the game. And, you know, uh, Lance Irvin, who was the coach there, he, you know, he took, he, he took most of the season off due to COVID, took a, took a medical leave, um, kind of saw this happening, but it's, it's a little bit crazy that it happened this late. Um, really tough job. Maybe, maybe, you know, one of the hardest division one jobs in America, like you said, not a big budget. You're not paying your coach as well. Um, and I've said this before. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know why Chicago state is division one. You know, unless they come in with a huge influx of money and really build that thing, you know, they got out of the whack because travel's too expensive, which makes sense. Um, you know, what, where are they going to find a home? Um, you know, you almost look at like the University of Hartford, who for whatever reason is going Division Three, and that's a terrible one. We can talk about that. But, you know, Chicago State almost needs to look at that model. Um, 
you know, you, you, you have less travel, you have less expenses. Um, if you're not going to make the commitment to being a division one program, you, you maybe, you know, have to do better for your student athletes and put them in a place where they can be successful. And that Chicago state job was a tough one, man, especially opening up this late. I, I don't know where they're headed with that. Yeah, let's ask you about Hartford. I mean, you, you, you make the tournament and you do the study to go down to D3. Now, East Washington did the same exact thing, which they decided to say D1, which is partially why Leggings left because he don't he know what's going on with the money thing there, what they're going to be. So, Hartford, you make you make the tournament, 616 seed, now you want to go down. Like, you're really not making it any, any more net gain by doing it if you're Hartford. Now, Chicago State, I would understand, but Hartford, not so much. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's a, you know, I just think it's an awful decision on, on Hartford's part. I think they have a, a president who does not support athletics. Um, you know, and I think one of the, one of the things that bothered me most about the Hartford move is they, they had a, uh, a FAQ sheet that they, that they released with kind of talk, their talking points about, you know, moving down to division three. And um, one of the things, one of the questions was, is this a downgrade from division one? And the answer that Hartford provided, they said, no, it's not, which to be honest, that's absolutely false. And it has, this has nothing to do with the student, student athletes or the level of competition. It's absolutely false because at the division one level, if you look, take the men's basketball staff, for example, you have a full-time head coach, three full-time assistants, a full-time director of basketball operations, a strength and conditioning coach, and some other, you know, graduate assistants and video guys. Well, you go down to division three. Okay. You'll have a full-time head coach. Maybe you'll have a full-time assistant and that's a wrap. You know, so talk about not, so that is a downgrade. Look at all yes. the staff you just lost, you know, so that's, that's the problem. And, it, and it's not, it's not just losing the scholarships and the revenue and, and you know, the money they pay for the scholarships, but you know, it, it, it is a downgrade, but part B of that is, you know, so I, I'm an old guy, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm a Boston guy. I'm, I'm from, you know, Boston in the days of Doug Flutie, right? What Doug Flutie did for, for Boston college when he threw that Hail Mary in, in Miami, right? The, the, the name recognition, same thing that, that Hartford does by making the tournament playing Baylor, right? That's free advertising. That's publicity. Look at the name they just yes. gave Hartford. You're not going to get that at the Division three level. You will not get that. And I use this example with a bunch of people I talk to. Um, you know Jim Calhoun, right? Former yes. head coach at UConn, great coach. Not many people know this, right? Jim Calhoun is the head coach at St. Joseph's College in Hartford, Connecticut, right? Division three school in Hartford. Who knows that, right? Nobody. The last couple of years, they've been nasty. They've won 20-plus games. They've made the Division Three tournament. Nobody knows. Nobody cares, right? That's the difference between Division One and Division Three. He's not getting any name recognition for St. Joseph, Connecticut. Um, you know what? If they're Division One, sure. Like Hartford, they got a ton of recognition. But, you know, it's hard, man. You drop down, and that, that's, that's you know, it's tough. But you said, you know, bring it back to Chicago State. Like Chicago State, they're not winning. They've been terrible. They have no money. They have no budget. They don't, you know, that, that's a situation you probably should. But the Hartford one's a disgrace, man. Total disgrace. Most definitely. I'm just like, man, it's to me, it's, it's shameful and sad, you know, seeing, seeing what happened there. And also, like, now, Adam, you know, talking about this last year that Tom Crean down here in Georgia losing nine players. Uh, I think his seat is hot and warm and his time is ticking. He hasn't really made any relationships here in Georgia, to be honest with you, because um, I know that firsthand. And I don't know why Georgia hired him first and, first and foremost, but what are you hearing about Crean's status going forward here? Yeah, I think, um, as you know, I mean, you're down there in Georgia, and I think a lot of people talk about it. I mean, this is a really big year for him. You know, it was obviously a really interesting hire from the start. Um, and by all accounts, listen, he, he's a really good guy, and he works hard, and he, he's definitely had some success. But 
man, it was an interesting hire from the start. And this, this is, this is a big year. Um, you know, I think COVID maybe got a lot of guys, a little bit of a break last year. Um, so there's a lot of guys like, like coach cream that are going to be kind of rolling into it next year with like, you know, you, you got to win. Um, you know, so I, I think there's a lot of guys and it's early. I mean, it's July of 2021. So that, that 2022, that March, 2022 hot seat, um, starting to get a little bit more clear, but I, I think Mike, uh, uh, Tom Crean is, is one of those guys that, that, that will have to win some games. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, you know, kind of going back to the hot seat thing though, this year was nuts. We said, you know, COVID, maybe it saved him, maybe it saved some others, right? This year, there were 60 division one job openings, which is nuts. You know, especially with COVID, like I didn't see this coming. I, I, I said in February, I put, I put, uh, 37 and a half is the over under on job openings, right? In a typical year, there's like 56 and a half division one job openings. I thought it would be lower because guys are going to have a break because of COVID, but it wasn't like 60, 60 changes. That's a lot. That, that's over the average. So, um, you know, so as I'm saying, like some guys like Coach Cream, maybe you save. I don't know. So it's going to be weird to see what next year brings. You know, like is next year just going to be absolutely nuts because those guys that did, I don't know. So it's going to be, uh, it, it, it'll be wild next March, I think. And I was shocked, you know, that Rodney Terry, a friend of mine, and Ogden left to go be assistant coaches. Because you and I were talking about this before. I'm, I'm not taking any kind of money to go go be a co-host again. I'm running yeah. my own show. <laughs> I'm not doing not co-hosting ever again in my life. No, I don't care how much we pay me. I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah. How about that, man? You know, like you know, that was like a trend this year where you had. Yeah, guys that are Division One head coaches taking Division One assistance jobs, and, and that that thing that Chris Beard is building in Texas is crazy. But you know, at the end of the day, yeah, yep, yeah, go be an assistant in Texas, have a chance to win a national championship, sure. But man, it, it's different being a head coach, and like you said, it, it, you can't give that up. You know, I, I spent the last fifteen years of my career, right? I was a Division Three head coach, right? And and you know, this is all I do. I talk to I talk to coaches all day, every day. And I've had some opportunities to get back in as, as you know, a division one assistant. I don't care what I'm not, I'll never be an assistant again. You know, it's so much different when you run your own show. It's so hard to be an assistant. So I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, does it provide a little bit more job security because you're taking something new and maybe you can be there for a few more years and parlay it into something. I don't, yeah, maybe. I mean, there's a lot of reasons guys do it, but it, it's really hard, man, to go from, from being the boss to not being the boss. <laughs> exactly. You know, Barrett Peary did it. Uh, you know, uh, that, 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 yeah. that, thankfully, they kept it in-house for the most part with Jace Coburn, uh, yeah. Greg Young, got it at Arlington. Now they, they did hire um, my man, uh, Joe Golden, for yeah, UTEP, my, my guy Joe Golden, all the energy he has. But it's like, but they, and they promoted Brett Tan, Brett Tan, Tanner there. So, so yeah. Riley Eastern Washington promoted. So I was shocked to see a lot of the guys promoting from within this year. They keep keeping the continuity going rather than starting over fresh with a whole new staff this year coming in. Yeah, I think you know that's a good point. But, you know, the, the the guys that you just mentioned, um, you know, they they've had success in their programs as assistant coaches. You know, so it's easy to promote them and, and try to keep that thing going. You know, even uh, uh, Mark Adams at Texas Tech. Um, you know, when, when you've had success, you, you kind of want to keep that going. You, you, you definitely have the player support. It's an easy move for an athletic director. And I'm glad, you know, it, it, and that's the one thing I like to see in this business is when those, those assistant coaches who have been there and been part of, of a good program get the bump. You know, it, it's hard, you know, some of those programs where you, you get canned. Um, you know, like, tell you what, like Binghamton's an, an interesting example. Binghamton fired Tommy Dempsey in March. 
and they provoke, promoted Lavelle Sanders, who's one of their assistant coaches. And they promoted him to head coach. And you don't see that a lot where the guy gets fired and then they promote the assistant, you know? So, it, you know, that, that was kind of like an anomaly there, but, but it's good, um, you know, in those programs that are good and those programs that are win, you know, you want to see those guys get the bump. And like, you know, the, what Joe Golding did at Abilene Christian is amazing, man. Like he deserves all the credit for getting that thing turned around. He deserves getting the job and, and, and Brett Tanner deserves to get bumped because he was there the whole time. So it's, it's nice when ADs actually recognize, um, you know, the assistant coaches that are, that are in the background really getting it done. It's nice to see those guys get promoted. Yeah, and, you know, I was shocked that my man Fig went to UT Grand Valley after Lou Hill passed away. But, you know, I you know I get it. It's, it's the whack for, over the OVC. I understand yeah. it. But I was shocked to hear Fig to Grand Valley. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that's one of those weird moves. Like, I, I heard that name, you know, probably three or four days before he took it. And I heard it. I was like, no, nah, uh-uh, there's, there's not a chance. You know, because he kind of look at it from the outside, and it's like a little bit of a lateral move. Who knows? But, you know. Guys have a reason for going. Um, you know, like I said, you, you move like that. You, you, you're going to get yourself a few more years of job security starting somewhere new. Um, but that's a hard job, man. You know, it's a hard job taking taking over from someone like Coach Hill, who, who tragically passed away. Really good guy. Really great guy on campus. Really, you know, uh, that community embraced him, man. That's a tough one. Um, I, I was surprised to hear that. But, yeah, it, it's – it's, it's, um, like I said, man, it's a tough business. It's an interesting business, and, it, and it's weird to see some of the moves that guys will make um, to stay afloat in this thing. Now, it's a, a, a new wrinkle is the NIL now, so now you can get guys in the recruiting trail, get them a deal somewhere. It may not be official, but, hey, if I get you a deal here, and with yeah. the transfer portal, you know, I, I can poach your good players if I'm high major, if you're a good mid-major, low-major school, so – I've heard coaches tell me this off the record. It's some, even though I don't agree with the premise, that it's a good move because they're going to poach all my players on, still going to be firing anyway. So I'm going to be taking me an assistant job, getting paid good money, whether I'm going to get fired, paying, getting maybe less than half to what I'm making as a head coach in this smaller school. So, I, of course, we don't, we don't agree with that, that thought process, but that's why I've been choked off the record, Adam. Oh, no, listen, I believe you, man. It is a whole new, it's a whole new game, man. Like these last 18 months or so, have changed the landscape and, and we'll just keep it, you know, not just college athletics, but we'll dig in really college basketball. It's changed the landscape. Like you said, NIL guys able to get paid from endorsements. Now, you know, that's a, it's a whole different animal, but then the transfer portal, like you said, man, like everybody's going in, everyone's poaching players. They know I've had guys tell me that they're not even recruiting high school kids. Really. They're just all over that transfer portal. You've heard guys say like, you know, the, the, some of those mid and low major guys don't want to play a ton of high majors because they don't want to show off their kids. It's nuts, man. It, it is, you know, there's some there's some days where I, I miss coaching. I miss being on the floor. I miss recruiting. I miss, part, you know, I miss it. But then there's some days I look at the stuff going on with the NIL and the transfer portal. And I, I think to myself, like, I, I want nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. And I talk to a lot of these guys and, and, and everyone has different ways of dealing with it and, and they're, they're tackling it a little differently, but just, it's different. It, it is different. So there's some days where I'm, I'm very happy that like I'm on this side of it and I'm talking to you about this side of it where, you know what, I'm not worried. Listen, Hey, no one's firing me. I'm good. So it's cool. You guys, it's like the wild west out there. I'm, I'm very happy to be, uh, um, you know, I'm very, listen, I say something, something bad to you. No one's firing me. I just, I just misspoke. Right. But I go lose some games. I get fired. I don't need that. So, it is a crazy new college basketball landscape, man. Adam, my phone's blown up even more asking me about players more than ever now. Hey, JR, do you know about this guy? Because did, did you know this guy? Does he know you? Can you tell him about me? <laughs> yeah. So I'm getting pulled into it now. <laughs> 
<laughs> your spokesman to his kid for you like oh really wasn't it for me <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no here listen man guys are smart man guys will, will, will try to get every advantage they can to, to get a kid man it is you know it, it is a cutthroat business recruiting i mean you know it, especially at that you know high major mid-major level you got to win games you could be the best coach in america but if you don't have players if you don't have talent you're not winning games you don't win games you're not you don't have a job and that's what it's about man unfortunately you, you got to win you you can you can be a good guy. You can teach great life lessons. Um, but if you don't win, you don't have a job. So you got to go get the players. And Adam, there's another big thing I want to talk about is the staffing. For me, some of these guys hire staffs so don't get them fired in two or three years. Where there's this whole good cycle we had for us people, younger coaches getting jobs. Yeah. You can't hire your friends only. Or you can't have the administration picking your coaches for you or telling you if to keep certain people to get the job. See, those conditions, I wouldn't take them. Even though I want a job, I wouldn't go in with my hands tied behind my back or I just had to take you, a guy you forced upon me, or pick guys who are my friends who I might have to fire to save my own butt, or go down the flames with them. Right. No, you, you bring up a great point. I think that's one of the hardest things um, that a head coach faces is, is, is bringing in his staff. Um, like you said, and, and I've seen it a lot over the last couple of years where, where a coach will start. I mean, to be honest, it happened to St. John's this year where, you know, one of the assistants got let go and shouldn't have because Mike Anderson wanted to bring in somebody else, which is silly. But, you know, um, it, it's hard, man, because those guys will you, – you don't want to bring in guys that will get you fired by doing something silly. You know, I mean, look at, you know, some, some of the recruiting violations that have been going on. You don't want that. But you also don't want to bring in your friends who, who – you know, may not get it done. You, you got to fire, but it, it's, it's so hard to find guys. You know, the other crazy thing is look at some of these staffs now with all the positions they created, you know, in the old days it used to be, you know, you'd have a couple full-time assistants. Your third assistant was like the restricted earnings guy. Now you have special assistant to the head coach. You've got director of basketball operations, assistant director of basketball operations, video coordinator. I mean, you have so many administrative spots. It is nuts. You know, and granted, you know, you can only have, you know, the three guys on the floor and three guys out recruiting. It doesn't matter. Some of these guys that travel with, with you know, 10 guys and, and look, and you, you know, the NBA, you know, better than me, you look at an NBA bench during a game. They got that second row of coaches behind. Yes. Well, look at these college, these, these high majors are doing that now too. They got like a second row of guys. It's not the old days where you had your, you know, your three assistants and maybe a, a director of operations. Like it, it, it's crazy the size of these staffs. So that's the other challenge too. Like, you know, you're bringing in a lot of guys, but you got to make sure you're bringing in the right guys. Um, it's hard. It is hard. Yeah, man. It's like like Jerry Stackhouse staff at Vanderbilt. I'm yeah. like, really, really, really stack. Mm-hmm. It's like really like all these different businesses you have at Vanderbilt. Now, of course, they're a private school. They had to disclose their money, but yeah. the money's not really going to sports at Vanderbilt. I can tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, was yeah. on the Tennessee State, so I, I know firsthand about that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, along West End there, so I was like, really? So yeah, man, it, it's it's weird, man. And like you said, man, like for me, I prefer to hire guys I don't know, so I don't have to make a tough decision like, oh, you're my boy, so I let you go. We're not going to be boys anymore. So I'd rather hire guys who I trust in my field they will get the job. They'd rather hire my boy and be comfortable and end up getting them. Man, bro, you're not working out. I got to let you go. So it's just, to me, Adam, it's just a tight, tight, tight rope. And also how much schools give got coaches to have a staff too. So who's, who's going to take what from, from that pool they, they give you. So that, that part of it too is also tricky as well. 
Yeah, no, you're definitely right. And, and, you know, going back to, you're right. It's hard to hire like a friend because as a head coach, you want that respect. You know, you, you want someone who's really going to kind of respect you and respect your word and um, someone who's going to come and just grind and work hard for you and get it done. Because, you know, as you know, there's no hours in the coaching world, you know, you're on all the time, you know, you're out recruiting, you're scouting. I mean, there's, you know, there are, there's no downtime. So you need someone who, who's really going to come, come work for you and respect you. And, and quite frankly, you know, you want someone who's going to, who, who wants to be a head coach because they're going to want to work their ass off and then move on. So that, that's, you know, I, I think, you know, like I said, when, when I was coaching, that was something I really wanted to, I wanted to make sure that all my assistants, whether I was at a small college, big school, whatever, I wanted to make sure they all wanted to be head coaches. You know, I, I didn't want them to say, Oh yeah, I'm happy. Being, you don't want to be happy being an assistant. You don't want to be anybody's assistant. You know, you want to learn what you can and move on. And um, you know, especially being a small college coach, I was always happy when, you know, I could get my guys just something up, you know, one more step up the, up the ladder to, to hopefully become a head coach one day. And that, that's the goal, man. And, and I'm going to this, man, um, with the realignment with these conferences, conferences, man, when, and like you said, the low majors and getting pushed by the high majors, do you feel like there'll be more conference realignment to kind of protect players and coaches here going forward? Because I know the MEAC is down to eight. Wants to expand. Uh, I know the Horizon is looking at some people as well. The Summit OVC lost Eastern, Eastern Kentucky and more uh, in Jackson State to the A Sun. So, with the arts realignment, do you feel like that they'll probably be, you know, maybe trying to really get, get up a level to maybe to protect players and coaches going forward? Because I feel like it's about to be another wild, wild west run with the, with, the, with, the whack, with the whack is done as well. So, I feel like it's going to be another mess coming here real soon with realignment. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think you know, realignment is, is something that, that, you know, will continue to happen. Um, I think one of the interesting thing is things, you know, if you look at a lot of the division two schools that are coming up that have kind of forced some of this, that are jumping into conferences, you know, Tarleton state, Dixie state, uh, you know, schools like that. I, I think, you know, big picture, I think some people have a concern about the future of division two, you know, are you, why not everybody just be division three non-scholarship or division one. So I think that's why there's some division twos like university of new Haven, uh, in Connecticut, they're going to make the jump to Division One, So I think that's always going to be a part of it, and that's going to be part of con conference realignment with, with schools jumping in places. But I think another thing, too, which schools are going to start looking at, um, which I've heard some, from a lot of people, is, you know, COVID really did take a toll on a lot of athletic department budgets. Um, and some of the low and mid-majors, you know, will look at conference realignment as far as travel costs, um, you know, because it, it, it is expensive. And that's why, like, the WAC with Chicago State, that was just nuts. They're playing all over the place. But I think some of the schools are really starting to look at, um, you know, a conference from a competitive standpoint, but B conference from a travel standpoint, where how can they still be competitive, but keep costs down. So I think that's going to be something to look at too, with conference realignment uh, in the future. Most definitely, man. Like, you know, I know at Tennessee state, um, it was mostly a bus trip in OVC, but yeah. if you, 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 you add certain schoolers too, you might got to start flying. And I know Tennessee state being a state school, not funded very well. I know it firsthand it's not great, you know, having to fly places, you know, like people ask about Clayton State. Nah, they should stay where they at. Clayton State should stay a D2. They shouldn't go up mm -hmm. anywhere else, A-Sun, nowhere else. No, they stay good where they at. You know, North Georgia, same thing. They stay where they at, you know, like some people are good D2. Some people are good D3. Some are good D1. It's just where nobody should have to be forced into. Like Savannah State should never been in the MEAC, if you ask me. Should stay where they was at in, 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 in SIAC. Yeah, no, you're right. And that's why, you know, it, and it depends. Like you said, you can go kind of on a school by school basis. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm an old guy. I remember when like Binghamton and Albany were division two schools, you know, UMass Lowell was a division two school. Um, 
and they made the move. Now the Division One schools, you know, Bryant College, same thing, Division Division Two school. Um, you know, and that's why, like, it's, it's interesting, like, University of New Haven going up to Division One. that it'll be interesting to see how that works out. And there's some, like I said, some schools that it's good for, some schools that it's bad for. Um, but, but then you look at the, going back to, to Hartford, you know, makes sense for them. Not just drop, why would you drop down to Division Two if you, if you want to save money? You still have scholarships. So, hey, they're going all the way to Division Three. You know, they'll find a, a local conference where they're traveling by bus and, and, and you know, they want to, you know, be a little bit irrelevant and, and sponsor athletics. That's fine. You know, that's what they can do. So it's, you know, it, it's different. It, it's, it's interesting to see how the different schools handle this uh, in different ways, you know. And Adam, could you explain to the listeners here um, about the difference between D1, which is it's 13, D2 is 10, but you can split them up, and D3 where it's none at all it's for scholarships? It's different, man. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, so, you know, I spent 15 years as a Division three head coach. And recruiting at that level is hard because, you, you know, you're really dependent on the financial aid your school is going to give you. So, like, the Division one level, like you said, 13 full scholarships, you know you've got two guys leaving, maybe plan for one guy transferring. So you're, you're recruiting for three spots, right? So you're pretty dialed in, pretty focused in. Like you said, Division two, where you can split up some scholarships, give guys half, partial, whatever. So you can kind of play with that a little bit. But then Division three, where – you can keep 20 guys, but you don't know who's coming and going. You could have a kid who absolutely loves your school. Coach, you're my top choice. I'm coming. Boom, boom, boom. You know, I'm going to be your star of the future. And then, you know, May 1st, he gets his financial aid package. He says, I, I can't afford it. I'm going somewhere else. You know, so it it's so hard. Division three, like you, you got to you got to bring in seven, eight kids every year. You got to recruit four or five hundred kids every year where, um, you know, division one, like you are laser focused on on your needs. Um but at least you were laser focused on your needs. Now you got this transfer portal and you don't know what's going to happen, but still, you know, it's still a different game where you, where you have an idea of how many scholarships you have to fill, you know? So it, it, it's a different game, man. But yeah, all those, all those levels are different. And, and you know, and, and I said before, and I, and I kind of ripped on Hartford a little bit going to division three, there's nothing wrong with division three basketball, division three basketball is great. There are some great players down there. Like I, you know, my, one of my, you know, couple years at Suffolk, we, we had, you know, the, the, second leading rebounder in the nation we went and played university of hampshire you know division one school he had 21 rebounds you know you you get some great players down there and, and you're you're really in it it's just it, it's different because you don't have that scholarship to hold them you know you don't have the support staff that the division ones have you don't have the strength and conditioning programs there's a lot you don't have but man division three is a good level of basketball and, and you know i see it a lot you, you talk to you know kids and coaches and oh no i'm not going to division three well have you ever seen a division three game go watch you know, those division three guys, they're still like the first, second, third best guys in their high school team. You know, those guys can still play. So, um, you know, don't don't discount that division three. No doubt. Adam, thank you for your time as always, buddy. It was fun as always talk to you about the carousel and talk ball with you, man. And I, I hope you, it's really warm up there in Boston, man. And I know it's 95 here in Atlanta and humid. <laughs> it's here up there, man. Yeah, man. Hey, listen, I appreciate having you. I appreciate you having me on. And yeah, it's like 95 up here in Boston too, man. This is this is miserable. I, I don't know how you do it in the South all the time. These like three or four days a year, it's 95. I'm done with it already. I'm ready for the snow to come back, but we'll be oh, all no, right. I'm scared, of, I'm scared of snow, man. I'm scared when I hit snow, I'm in the house for a week, buddy. <laughs> I hear you. You, you got to come up here one winter. We'll take care of you. I'll show you around. I'll show you the snow up here. <laughs> hey, man, I'll tell you a quick story. 2006, man, I wrecked my Cadillac Fleetwood. I had it tricked out wheels, attended windows, man. Went to get some wings, Adam, and doing it. it was slick outside, and I wrecked my rig, man. So I've been scared ever since, brother. It's been 15 years, man. I said, nope, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Listen, hey, you come up here. 
Everyone's got four-wheel drive, no rear-wheel drive Cadillacs. You'll be all right. You'll be fine up here. We'll take care of you. <laughs> I'll take you up on that, man. I'll do that, buddy. Hey, thank you for your time, brother. Hope you're safe and be so- talk to you real soon, man. Cool, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime, buddy. It's Adam Nelson, HoopDirt.com. Go there today. Get your dirt at HoopDirt.com, people. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.